Hey, this is Evan Jackson, Video Production Director of New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that today's message will not only challenge, but encourage and inspire you to see God's purpose for you. Enjoy the message. The first week we talked about restoration, when we talked about Paul and his betrayal, his denial of Jesus, yet Jesus restored him um, to his, his ministry and to his relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about the Samaritan woman. We talked about reconciliation. How Jesus broke through social, uh, political, economic, and um, ethnic barriers, broke through to meet a woman, a person, one person, and that one person changed the whole city because of Jesus. But he broke through. Today, the, the word... You're going to see the alliteration going on here. Ready? The word, and we stretched it. We, we, we had to get the R in there, but it's reclamation, reclamation. Or for maybe for the synonym for that word is this, repossession. And that probably works really well with our discussion today. The big idea of this message is, as formidable as our adversary is, he is no match for our all-powerful God, who has authority over spiritual darkness. Amen. Amen. I'd say I told you. I just had to prime the pump. That's all. Get Bill going. Romans 6.22 says this, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. In some way, shape, or form, we are influenced and shaped by external forces. We are shaped and influenced by external forces. This passage is very clear in Romans that we, are once, we were once slaves to sin, and when God set us free from the bondage of sin, we come, become slaves to God. I'm telling you, even though we got some amens there, but that's a... That's kind of a weird concept. Wait, I thought he said be free. Hmm, interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that today. We trade one system of influence for another. And both systems produce different things in our lives. You are going to be influenced. You are going to be shaped. Who is shaping who is shaping you? Socrates, the ancient Greek philosopher, believed that he had what he called a daemon. Not, not, not spelled demon, daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N. It was this point of influence. And he, uh, he pictured it like this, it was, that it was a, a, a thing that would influence him in different directions. Spiritual. He believed in that spiritual entity. He couldn't put a name on it. Imagine being controlled by thousands of daemons, and you might get a picture of what it looks like to live in our media-saturated 21st century. In Mark 5, we're told about a man who was possessed by many demons. Now you say, Pastor, are you trying to take away the spiritual aspect of demons? Do you not believe that there is a, 
spiritual darkness, uh, that there are actual demons. I actually don't. I believe that there are spiritual forces at work against you. I also think that they're very clever. And I think in this day and age, in this time, their greatest weapon is to make you believe that they don't exist. They've gone underground. They're not as overt. They're much more subtle. And we'll get into that today. Okay? Have I perched your interest? Here we go. Romans, I mean, excuse me, Mark 5, 1 through 20. And we're going to read a large section. Mark 5, verse 1 through 20. And I'm going to read you the whole passage, and then we're going to break it down. Sound good? Here we go. Open your Bibles with me to Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gennesareans, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they, were met, they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, for he had been often bound and, and with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. That's a crazy statement. The authority that this demon understands. He goes, I adjure you, by God. He should have been, I think he should have been struck dead right with those words. Right? I adjure, um, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? There's a whole, oh, there's a whole theological uh, argument around why he asked from the name. Because names have this level of authority in them. And when you have, okay, we'll get into that. That's another sermon for another day. He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there in the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave, so he gave them permission. Who gives people permission? The one who has authority. I love that. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the step, uh, steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Weird story. 14. The herdsmen fled and told, uh, uh, and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it, was that happened, what, it, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had a legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind 
and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they begged Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And now he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Dicopolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Lord, we thank you for the, the written word. Because this written word is just not ink on a page. It's living. This ancient text can speak so much to our situations today. So God, I pray that you would anoint me as I try to break this down. Lord, help us to apply this text, this ancient text, to our tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. What a powerful verse that is. Um, It's just... It's kind of a weird passage of Scripture. I mean, what's with the pigs and the, you know, the conversation that Jesus is having with this legion of demons? Um, a couple things that I want to just give you a setting here. Last week, we talked about Samaria. This, uh, the Gennesaret was an area on the other side of the uh, Sea of Galilee, and it was uh, predominantly a Gentile area. So... We know this just from history. We also know that, you know, no proper Jewish community would be raising pigs, right? It's not, definitely not kosher. And uh, so, so this is, this is, a, this is a, uh, a Gentile area that existed around uh, the Israelite and the, the Jewish people, okay? Um, so the text says, in the name of the, uh, names the cohort of demons as legion. Legion. Now, there's enough, enough said. Mark is being written to a Gentile audience. And they would know right off the bat what that meant. Okay? No further explanation would be needed. They would know that this means four to 6,000 strong. This guy's in a bad, bad way. He, I don't know. How, doesn't, doesn't open the door. To us as how he got into this position. We'd have to s- speculate. Maybe he dabbled in things that he shouldn't have dabbled in. Very close to the, uh, the place that we talked about weeks ago, the, 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 the gates of hell, that whole cult worship. It's very clo- they're very close. Maybe he dabbled in things that he shouldn't be dabbling in. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that that's where it started. What scares me in our culture is the fact that we don't believe in the supernatural. That the things of the supernatural have become fairy tale to us. And in doing that, we open ourselves up inadvertently to things that we never should have. I, 
I've always been so frustrated with the when you go down, you know, Target aisles or 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 remember KB Toy Store? There's probably one in this mall at one point. Yeah, right across the hall was it? KB Toy Store. Toys R Us. Jeffrey got fired. What? And homeless? Yeah, you saw that meme too. Um, but to walk down the game aisle and see Ouija boards, and to and to and to characterize that as as entertainment. Well, it's not, Pastor. Aren't you getting a little bit? No, no, I'm not. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. When I look at some of these video games, I get so nervous for our generation. When I look at some of the pop culture things, it's, 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 it's packaged as if it's just no big deal. But yet it's dangerous for our souls. It's dangerous to the soul. So what could, have, uh, uh, what could being dominated by so many demons do to a person? What could it, what, what could it do being dominated by by so many influences. Well, the text is pretty specific. The man, verse 3, the man lived in graveyards. Well, I have never met anybody who lived in a graveyard, Pastor. No? Think of it this way. It can cause you to become morbid. To look at life as less precious. Become dark in your countenance. To live in despair, life becomes very bleak. He lived in a physical graveyard. But with the, with the suicide rates at all-time high right now, I feel like there are so many people who are living in mental graveyards. It's bleak. It's dark. dark. It's, it's, it's scary to think that people would get that gone in their spirit that they would think the only way out is to end it all. That's so sad. What else did these influences have in his life? Local powers must have tried to re- restrain him at some point, right? Because the text says that he not even could be chained or held down. Verse 3 as well says that. It can cause you to lose your self-control. They had to try to control him because he was out of control. And even the influences that tried to help him could not control him. I'm telling you guys right now, you don't want to be helped. There is nothing external that will help you. It's always something from the inside out. You cannot make progress in, in self-control from outside sources. It's got to be done inside. Let me think about uh, 12-step programs, right? You got to admit, you got to want the help. You got to admit you have a problem before anybody can help you. 
We lose our ability to self-control. Can we see that anywhere in our world today? Self-control is out the window, folks. People are doing such strange things. I was listening to a podcast the other day about why our culture is doing such strange things and how, why they're celebrating it online. And one of the statements was, it's because it's disembodied. It's not like, it's, 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 it's not even real. You put it out on the internet and it's like, ah, oh, funny, funny, funny. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's like, it's not me. It's this other person that's out there in the ether. It's not really me. So they've, they've um, made a dualistic reality, one that they have with their families and their, and their friends and everything. And then they have this, this uh, other reality that's digital. And that's just not healthy. It's not healthy. It's ability to be sinful in a way that doesn't make you feel guilty. That's scary. That's scary. We lose self-control. It can cause you to use your strength to hurt and destroy. What else could it do? He was continuously inflicting harm on himself with rocks and stones. Well, it can cause you to self-inflict. There's so many different ways you can do that. Self-inflict. So to self-degradate. You can degrade yourself in so many ways. It doesn't have to be just, you know, cutting yourself. I think it's important that we understand that when we lose, when we let the influence of influences around us, it starts to change our minds as to who we are. Folks, I look at this group today. If you're watching online, please, please, please hear me here. I can't see you, but I know this to be true. That whoever you are, you are made in the image of God and you are special. Don't let the influencers of this world tell you anything else. Before you were even conceived, God knew you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew the plans he had for you. Before anybody even knew your name. You're good. In God's eyes. And we are not good. We are not essentially good. We need a Savior. But God looks at you and He says, That's my child. I could go on that forever. But you do see this. I, I mentioned this in the past. When it comes to things like. Uh, Demon possession, you often, there's a marker in this of, of, of cutting, of drawing blood. We talked about this when we were talking about uh, the, the confrontation with Elijah on Mount Carmel, how they were cutting themselves to try to get Baal to do something. Folks, I'm telling you, you spent any time in, in youth ministry, and you're going to see this more and more. You wouldn't, let me, let me tell you, adults, you wouldn't believe it, and you need to start. Because there's a bunch of kids out there who have been 
influenced by the world to such a degree that they don't feel anything. Have you heard the statement, I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all? If you've never heard that, ask your teenager if they've heard that statement. And it's so sad. But it's the influences that are around them that are causing them to see themselves as less than the creation that God made them to be. So parents, if you have young kids, open up your eyes. Open up your eyes. Ask questions. Have dinners together. Start talking about things that are important. Yes, 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 their, their behavior is important and whether they got their homework done is important. But the state of their soul is more important. The state of their mental and chemical well-being is more important. Talk about those things. It'll probably get uncomfortable. Deal with it. You're a parent. What else had these influencers done in this man's life? He was mentally gone and couldn't stand wearing clothes. It can drive you to self-loathing. Losing the care of things like modesty and propriety. Modesty and propriety are the foundations for civilization in a sinful world. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they realized that they were sinful? They put some clothes on. They got the ye old sewing machine and a bunch of leaves. We become uncaring about modesty. We become uncaring about propriety. This is a big problem in our, in our society today. There used to be a kind of a code, especially amongst man code. <laughs> you might say some, you know, not so great words when you were with the guys. But when there was women and children around, and I'm not saying you should say it with the guys either. I'm just saying there was a man code. Now, jeez, I was about two seconds away from ripping some kid's head off the other day in a store. I'm not even joking. We were, I was in, we were, my, my wife and I went on a date. Two thousand five was the last time I think. We, no, it's funny. Dates have changed, haven't they? For those who have kids, it's changed because we had a date last night too. Two dates, but this was like a COVID date. The other date was like a real date. This was a COVID date. COVID date means you run out real quick, get some takeout, bring it home, put the kids to bed, and watch a movie. That's what we do. That's COVID date. We've been trying to do that. Every, every other week or so, like the whole time that COVID was going on. But this time we had a real date. Somebody watched our children. I love you guys. But sometimes we need to get away from you. Um, we were in a store, you know, uh, shopping, doing some, do some clothes shopping, things like that. 
and uh, I got my Thomas Selleck shirt, and um, there was, it was just, you know, people were just enjoying themselves, and a group of like five teenage boys came in, and they were just walking the aisles of this store, like nobody else existed, and their mouths, I mean, I wish I had like five bars of soap, pin them down, shove it in there, local newspaper. Passer shoves soap into teenage boys' mouths in H&M, you know. Probably get cheered for that. Anyway, um, but I was, I was honestly, and if anybody who knows me knows that who I was sired from, and we can't handle that, right, Dad? No, we can't handle that. I was about two seconds away, and then they just, they left. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for saving me, because I was about to say, hey, guys, Think about where you're at. There's women, there's children, there's people around. Watch your mouth. My wife's so glad they left. <laughs> she knows I would do it too because I have done it. Um, I didn't have a brick in my purse, but hey, anyway. Uh, boom! All you newbies, that story will come up someday. Um, not appropriate for today. But we used to have some propriety in our society. Put that on a t-shirt. We don't have that anymore. When we start to listen to the influencers, this is a whole new category. Influencers back in the day, this is like an actual category. They have like conventions for influencers now. Who are the influencers of the past? Mom? Dad, pastor, teacher, grandma, grandpa, maybe a neighbor, that, the bad boys on Wicked Street, those are the bad influencers, those bad boys, you know, the bad kids. But there's only a few of them. Now we got cohorts and legions of influencers attacking us on a daily basis. And you can't tell me it's not making a difference in our culture, in our, in our, in our, in our, in our feeling of well-being. What a horrifying way to live, this guy. This guy who is so influenced by these demons. Don't know how he got to that position, but down the road he was there. If we're not careful, we let those influencers in our lives. I don't believe that their names are, I don't, I don't believe that they're any different than they were back then. I just think they went, they got a little more stealthy because they don't want you to believe that they exist. If they, if, you, if, we, if they can make us believe that they don't exist, they win. Now, I know that was a bleak bit of sermon, but here we go. Look at the contrast between Jesus and the demons and what happens when Jesus enters a life. First, when the, one of the demons saw Jesus, they made the man that they were possessing fall to the ground in great fear. Jesus is bigger. Jesus himself, the Son of God, ain't no thing for him. Four to 6,000 demons. In the presence of Jesus, they fear and tremble. Why? It's a level, it's, it's a matter of authority. It's a matter of authority. 
Second, Jesus gives the demons permission to do something, demonstrating that their answer, uh, they answered to him. Amen. They had no control over him or the man they were possessing once they encountered Jesus. All those bad things that we just talked about, I know yeah, I built you up with the, or maybe brought you down. I'm going to raise you up now because none of those things have any control over somebody who has a true and definite encounter with Jesus. Because he has all authority in heaven and earth, and none of these things are bigger than God. So what does this all mean? I remember being scared as a child in my room in the dark. Parents put me up on the third floor as far away from them as they could be. In the attic. The mice. No, that was my brother. Anyway, uh, if you, if you got, I hope, I, I think you guys can get where I'm going. Remember being afraid as a child of the dark or something like that? Every shadow was a monster. Every noise was like, boom, boom. But it was just like, it was nothing. It was the wind or something like that. So what you do is you call for mom or dad, and they would come, at least the first time. Because after you learned this worked, it wasn't about the fear anymore, it was about milking it for more mom and dad time and not have to go to bed. But anyway, let's go to the purity of the situation. You called, and they would come, and maybe they would sit with you, or they'd pray with you, or they'd lay down next to you. Let me ask you a second, let me ask you to think about this for a second. What changed in the room? Nothing except the presence of your parent. Right? The, 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 the shadows, they don't even notice those anymore. The sounds are, what? It's the presence of the authority. The, the, the parent, the one who you feel safe with, casts out all of those fears because those fears are really where? They're not in the room. They're in you. They're in your head. But when you get next to your parent, they lay down in the bed with you, and, 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 and you feel them close to you, guess what? Those fears are gone because they're not real anyway. They're just the influences that are, have been in your head making, amplifying the, the problems. I'm telling you right now, you are better off than you think. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're no good, that you are worthless, that you have no abilities, that you have no talents, that you're not uh, a child of God. Because when you call him, guess what? He's going to come. And he's the kind of God that doesn't have to go to work in the morning. So he's going to come every time you call. David, <laughs> go to bed. Dad. Remember, Dad? Every single night, we had this little thing. Uh, uh, when, when, my, when my parents would go up, they would, you know, tuck us in, you know, how to talk to For some reason, I like to be, like, tucked in. Am I the only one who, like, even to this day gets a little bit weirded out when my arm is hanging outside the bed? Like, I don't know if you told me a story about something living under the bed or what, but I, I, still, I still can't let my arm come outside the boundaries of the bed. Anyway, um, so they would tuck me in, pray for us, you know, tuck real tight, uh. 
and I had this routine, because I did live on the third floor, um, and I would say, good night, love you, leave the door open, leave the light on, like the hall light, like leave the door open. <laughs> it, was like, it was like the mantra, and then I could go to sleep. If I said all those things, if I didn't say them, literally, if I didn't say them, I had to walk downstairs and have them repeat the whole thing again. I'm sorry, I was such an annoying kid. Thank you, Daddy. Um, that presence in, in, in the room with you, that authority in the room with you, that's what Christ does for us spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And I dare say, if you are physically impaired today, that he will come and he will physically heal you too. I believe that. I was talking to somebody before the service today. I was like, I, I need to step up my prayer life for you. Because I believe God wants to heal people of their physical ailments. When we invite Christ to become the dominant influence in our lives, certain things begin to happen as they did to the demoniac. It says that when he came to the man who was called, when they came to the man who was called Legion, they found him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. In Jesus, uh, we reclaim or repossess peace. He's no longer a raving, uh, raving around, acting like a lunatic. He's calm and at peace. The world around him hadn't changed. Nothing changed outside. Everything was exactly the same. His inner world had a breakthrough. He didn't have to see the world from their perspective any longer. Didn't have to be controlled by fear, anger, despair, and self-loathing. Instead, he could Rest in the knowledge that Jesus had power over the darkness and he has overcome this world. That is where you sit. That is where we need to live. That will heal us. In Jesus, we reclaim a right mind. No longer do we have to see the world as the godless do. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the influences of this world shape you. That's what conformed means. It means you, they're squeezing you into a mold, and it don't feel good, and it's not right, because it's not you. When God made you, he broke that mold. Don't get squeezed into another. Do not get conformed to what the world says you should, should do, should be, should want, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is, so the will of God for you, this being a slave to God now, right? We traded in our slavery to sin, slavery to the darkness, to be a slave of God. What is this? The will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I will be gladly give myself to a God 
who can show me what is good in me and outside of me, what is acceptable in me and outside of me, and what is perfect. You know how he shows you what's perfect? He shows you Jesus. When Christ comes in, he transforms us and shows us what his will is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Jesus begins to define our boundaries and shows us a new adventure. Shows us a new adventure. I'm going to close with this, guys. That idea of adventure brings us two distinct responses to the repossession of this former demoniac. He has repossessed everything that God wanted for him. He's reclaimed it through Jesus. The man whose life was changed wanted to travel with Jesus. His first response to being having this encounter with Jesus was, I want to be with you. I want to stay with you. I want, I want, I want to go and have an adventure with you. Jesus gave him a different adventure. In verse 19, it says, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy, how he had mercy on you. Jesus advises him against any further neglect of those most important to him. Folks, we as in the, in the pastor have to deal with that all the time. It's so easy to get caught up into the, the adventure of, of leading a church and, 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 seeing, and doing the work of, of the kingdom that we may neglect what's most important to us. So Lisa and I have been, tried to be very vigilant about being home too. The adventure that God set you on doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go physically somewhere, but it is still an adventure. So often we want to go because we think that the adventure is out there. But most often, the people that we will be most, impa- will most impact by the change in our lives that Jesus has made are those whom we know best. When you start, cha- when Jesus changes you, when he helps you to reclaim what the enemy has stolen from you, and what do they do? They, they notice it right away. The people who knew him noticed it right away. You go, so let's say this man went with Jesus. He went over to um, Capernaum. Nobody knows him in Capernaum. So now it's only a story. Well, I was filled with four to 6,000 demons. Yeah, right. No, I was, really. Okay. No, really. <laughs> but you go home amongst your family and your friends, and they start seeing the change. I, man, you used to live in the tombs. Now... You're clothed in your right mind, and we can have a conversation with you? You don't want to kill me anymore? There's progress here. <laughs> Something has changed. What is it? It's Jesus. God has had mercy on me. And the adventure could very well be in your own home, in your own community, because it's less about the story, and it's more about living that story out. So that was the reaction of the the former demoniac. 
What was the other reaction? The people were filled with fear and seemed to be more concerned about the loss of property than the soul of this man. They're like, Jesus, you know, if this is going to be a common thing for you, we don't think we can handle this economically. We don't, I, I, you know, no offense, don't kill me or anything, but can you go? You know, we're not, we're not comfortable with you. And that's going to happen. You're going to get, in your, in your adventure that God puts you on, you're going to get people who are like, mm, that's kind of, I don't want to go there. I'm more concerned about money, leisure. I, I don't want to deal with the spiritual. And you know what? It's okay. Because Jesus left him to change their hearts. They're like, I don't know if I can handle Jesus right now. But what does it say after that? He went back, and everybody marveled at how God had changed his life. Jesus wasn't leaving that area empty of testimony. He left the greatest testimony in their presence. When we surrender our lives to Christ and allow him to be the, greater, the greatest influence of our lives. He cleanses us spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. And he will give you a new adventure. So often, I, I, I feel like we, we, have to, we have to recognize We have influences trying to vie for our attention all the time. And many of those influences may open the door to some very bad spiritual realities in your life. They're there. They're real. You have to open, we have to open our eyes to, to, to realize that there is, as much as we want to sing and praise and, 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 and touch the, the spiritual in a positive way, there are things in our lives that will drag us into a negative, the negative spiritual side. There's a war going on for the soul of humanity. And it's been going on since the very beginning. It may look a little different than this, but it's still going on. We have to understand that there are things in our lives that are trying to pull us out from underneath, uh, from, the, from the place of being at the seat of, of Jesus. I want to steal our right mind. I want to steal our peace. I want to put us back in chains. We should expect that out there. We should not allow it in here. We should expect it. We should not allow it here. We need to be vigilant that we protect ourselves from the influencers of this world, the demons or the demons or whatever they want to call them, that will tear us down. And we want to stay at the feet of Jesus. Would you close your eyes with me and just meditate on that thought for just a second? Just think about it. It can be a little overwhelming. 
And this is, this is what I want you to, to, to consider today. The overwhelming nature of this is because we start thinking about all the things. And we've got to take care of that thing. We've got to take care of that thing. We've got to take care of that thing. I can't do this. I, I don't want you to think about all the things. I want you to think of one thing. The one thing I want you to ponder today is how can I get closer to the feet of Jesus? The other things will fade away. You don't have to think about capturing all those different things. and Because you know, it's not about your ability to do it. It's about you surrendering to the person of Jesus Christ, sitting at his feet and let him cleanse you. Let him take care of your mind. Let him restore you and renew you. So it's not all the things, it's the one thing. In what ways have I moved away from the feet of Jesus? And how can I get back under his influence, being the greatest influence in my life? Lord, I thank you today that you're with us, that you've never left us, nor have you forsaken us. You are right here. And Lord, many of us are, are Marthas in this world. We're so busy with all the stuff that we neglect the most important thing, to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, like Mary did. Lord, help us to, to not get overwhelmed by all of the influences in our lives, but to keep our focus on you. And all those other things will start losing their influence in our lives. How can we make you the number one influence in our lives? I guarantee that if we do that, the stress we have because we've watched too much news will start to go away. The angst we have because we've spent too much time on Facebook will go away. Even the interpersonal conflicts we have at work will seem less stressful because the perspective will be given to us by you as we sit, as we sit at your feet. Lord, cleanse us of the influences. Put us back in our right mind. Clothe us with your righteousness, your grace, and your mercy. And we give it all to you, God. Amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. And hey, sign up early.